This is The Lore Check. Hello, other people, and thank you for joining us for episode two of The Lore Check. I'm your host, Brandon Michael Terry, and with me again is my co-host, Devin. I'm a not-the-who-you-think-I-am, Boyd. I'm never who you think I am. I'm always the opposite of who you think I am. And the second you think of the opposite of what you thought I was, I become the opposite of that. Therefore, always be not who you think I am. Thank you for having me. Devin, you have a huge identity crisis. I like it. I've been dealing with it. Uh, it's not working out well. No. Nah, eh, you'll figure it out later. But while we're here, why don't you tell the listeners what they can expect from us this episode. So today we're going to talk about taking on the role. That's not just a uh, rolling of the dice, but also the role playing itself. Uh, it's a bit of a double entendre, if, if you didn't catch on to it. It's uh, something we're excited to talk about today. And see, this is the core element of the role playing game, is what it's named after, role playing. So we talk about why that's fun, what's cool about it, maybe some difficulties that we can get over, but ultimately why that's part of the delight and the excitement of experience in RPGs. But, as always, before we get into our topic, we have a story time, and today Dev and I are both going to share some stories with you about our most interesting character we've ever played as, the character we take on the persona of. Devin, why don't you kick us off? So, I think by far the most interesting character I've ever roleplayed as uh, is one I'm actually playing as currently in our Starfinder campaign. I'm playing an android technomancer named Sarek. What makes Sarek so interesting is that he and I, or rather they and I, are, are very much opposite. Uh, I'm much more extroverted, outgoing, kind of hands-on with the way I tackle problems, whereas Sarek, Derek likes to sit from the back and observe. Sarek is much more soft-spoken. Sarek will analyze and uh, maybe try and kind of weave an influence into the party, uh, but definitely not the leader type. Yeah, though he does kind of get on the nerves as the captain sometimes, from what I've experienced. Yeah, Sarek and the captain, uh, oddly enough, Sarek is the first mate of the ship, uh, and Sarek and the captain don't always see eye to eye, um, but in the end, they, they typically come out on top, though Sarek is currently dealing with some interesting things occurring uh, inside of their circuits. Yeah, so Sarek must have a little bit of identity crisis going on as well, so... So maybe Shut that up. is one way that we, <laughs> so we we connect there. Yeah, Sarek does advise that like completely different thing that role playing games. Yeah, very much like a Spock archetype. Like that. So my favorite character to role play, I'm sure Devin has an idea of who I'd probably pick as my most fun to role play as, was a character from the Shattered Star campaign that Devin mentioned last episode. A character named Hayden Seeger. He is a tiefling alchemist that I designed one day. And Hayden is a psychopathic monster with a heart of gold. Might be the best way of describing Hayden. He uh he grew up like people didn't like him because he was a tiefling. He looked weird and demonic. But he was super brilliant, so eventually he kind of like broke his personalities into pieces. So basically I had two items. He had a hat named Al. That was his wise, perceptive, and kind of mature side that he would pull over his head when he's thinking about something. When he's making perception checks, he would think through the hat. Then he had a spear, whose name I still have lost time. It was Sir Something. Devin named the spear himself, actually, and gave it to me. But I can't remember what the name of the spear was. Devin, do you have any ideas? I know. I still have no idea. <laughs> and I've lost all of those old character sheets, so. So it was, it was a knight, evident, because it was Sir something something. But this, the spear represented Hayden's like, violent, aggressive, wild side. So when he was holding it, he got much more aggressive. And then, this Hayden himself remained the, the innocent, 
pure-hearted kid. He enjoyed people. He loved people. He was risky. But constantly playing that, that weird swirling balance between this brilliant and mature, yet childlike, yet monstrous character who then sometimes took a mutagen and became even more monstrous was fun. And Hayden made all the right choices. Never once did Hayden make a questionable decision, from what I can tell. Right, Devin? Well, we could say, I will say right, though you know I disagree. Thanks, Devin. I'm glad you disagree with things I tell you too. <laughs> but yeah, Hayden might have one decision that if we were going to kind of a deeper investigation of his character, there's one big event where he may or may not have burned down an entire town. That was part of his character, and I still love him for it. Hayden's the only character, his ending is different for me, because Hayden's ending wasn't he died or the campaign ended. I actually sent Hayden off. He actually got married and was left on his own and happy, happy ever after. There's some reason I loved Hayden so much, I couldn't risk him dying. So I actually begged Devin to let me make a new character and let Hayden get married and send him off somewhere else. And you allowed me to do that, Devin, and I appreciate that. And it was a very nice... It fit in with your backstory well, too, yeah. because the whole reason, if I remember, mm-hmm. Hayden came out was because Hayden needed to make a name for himself to impress the father, uh, who was like a rich count of an area or something, yeah. to uh, win his daughter's hand, uh, despite the fact that you and his daughter already had uh, this romance brewing and this great deep love and bond for one another. The father was still trying to step in the way and throw his weight and power around to prevent it. In fairness, Hayden was a tiefling, but bring a hundred thousand gold to somebody, and they tend to not care as much about <laughs> you being a tiefling. The I remember the wedding was very beautiful. Um, it worked out well when the witch uh, scarred you permanently. Mm, yeah, it was bad. Because uh, the woman you were marrying was blind, so truly uh, it was about the person within, not the uh, scarred demonic tiefling on the outside. Yeah. Not the scarred demonic tiefling on the inside that he was. <laughs> she also seemed to ignore. Well, so that, those are kind of some of the things. We kind of hope you enjoy. Uh, if anybody has any other characters that in the future you want us to kind of spotlight, you have to kind of think through different characters people love role-playing. The email, again, is thelordcheck at gmail.com. Love for you to send us in some just characters you've enjoyed role-playing and why. For now, let's move into our main topic, and that is why role-playing. Why that's the core of the industry. So, Devin, why don't you have kick us off with why do you think that role-playing as an element is core to this industry? Well, much like the reason why I'm enjoying playing Sarek so much right now is I've taken on an entirely different persona. I'm getting into the role and the mindset of someone who's not me, which mm-hmm. provides me the chance of playing someone who I'm not. Mm-hmm. And in order to... I, I think it's a very fun part of the game itself yeah. to just be able to be someone else, to be an other. Because I'm me every day. I wake up, I'm me, I go to bed, I'm me. As far as I'm aware, unless I'm still going through that identity crisis we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I'm still me. But when I sit down at the table, I'm not me anymore. I'm now Sarek. Yeah. And there's a this strange, fun element of figuring out how Sarek is going to develop and what's going to shape their path and their identity. Yeah, I love that. And you might have noticed this, Devin. When I'm GMing, I want to give that player that feeling. So as much as I can, I never refer to players by their real names when I'm GMing. I was always first them by their role-playing character's name. Because I want them to have the experience that they are that person right now. Yeah, and I, I think that's a very small thing to do, but it's something that makes a pretty big difference mm-hmm. while you play, um, allowing that character and that player to kind of almost, for that hour, two, three, four, however long you play, ten time. You really yeah. <laughs> ten, ten hour period of time. Uh, you allow the player and the character to almost become uh, indistinguishable. 
And that's not something you get in any other games, really. Because when you're playing any other video game RPG, tell about Mass Effect. While the Shepherd I play is my individual Shepherd, I make him make particular choices, I give him his own name. Shepherd is still another character on a screen. Because he's it's a completely different icon, completely different voice, personality, he's still different than me. But in role-playing games, the only thing about me that's not me is my character sheet. Like that's all this character is until I bring it to life. And therefore it does kind of blend a little bit more. Then you go even further if you want to cosplay. But don't. Don't cosplay. Or at least don't cosplay if you're in a uh, tight space because if you're wearing this big bulky suit of armor and you want to embody your character's suit of armor, it's going to be very difficult to sit down, maneuver around the chair to get your refill of soda or whatever. It, it'll just get in the way. That too. I've seen I, it happen. I just have my own feelings about cosplay, but fans, you can feel free to get mad at me about that. Again, the email is thelorecheck at gmail.com. Send hate mail. Send hate mail to Brandon about that. <laughs> Cosplay if you want. It's part of the experience. Once again, because it's not necessarily getting into the game, why role playing or why taking on this role is so important is it is crucial to telling a great story. Because as you all know, great stories aren't just about setting of situations. The best stories are about the best characters. They're about the people involved. What do you think, Devin? If Beowulf was simply the historical account of this demon creature terrorizes the village and, you know, the, the villager grows up and defeated it and that was the end of that chapter, it wouldn't be as enjoyable. But because you get to watch both Grendel and Beowulf as their own individual characters kind of grow, become enemies and fight one another, it, it adds a more in-depth connection to it. it. It allows us to kind of find ways that we identify with them and we find ourselves rooting for those heroes because the heroes are the ones driving the story. So when we're able to sit around a table and start to role play and we eventually evolve into those heroes over time, we are now the driving factor of the story. And there's something really fun and I would say maybe even magnificent about that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the only way to make it your story too. It's that being like your character. It is that magnificent thing where you see these people develop and grow and you carry some more than just numbers and pieces of paper. Like that's something I think I forget sometimes when I get into mechanics of games and all that. Is I kind of forget my character is more than just abilities. He's someone just developing, growing, being something. And I'm role-playing because I want to have that experience as that other person. That I don't get in my normal life. But there are some struggles in role-playing games. We're going to be honest, there are some times where role-playing can be difficult. What do think are some difficulties, Devin? Uh, I would say, firstly, having to realize that you're answering to the Game Master. Right? You may want your character to be able to do these crazy, awesome things, mm -hmm. but you don't get to decide that. The dice rolling does, and the game master does. And sometimes that can be really difficult when you want one thing to happen, but the game master, whether for better or worse, whether they're right or wrong, says no. Having to submit yourself to that authority. Yeah, absolutely. That is different role-playing, because part of taking on a role means that you have to experience the lack of control in life. I mean, that is just what life is. Like, I don't always decide what's going to happen to me tomorrow. In fact, I pretty much get almost notice it what happens to me tomorrow. <laughs> I have to go to work or my boss get mad at me. I have to do what he tells me to do or he'll get mad at me. And I have to pay my rent tomorrow or he will get mad at me. There, there's not always complete control. But there's still so much choice within that, that setting. Role-playing games kind of have that. So it's difficult role-playing games is you don't get to decide what happens. Other people are there. It's also difficult because you, you have to answer as someone else. Not just two, but as someone. Because Devin said with Sarek, Sarek thinks, acts, and feels completely different than Devin feels. 
Hayden thinks, acts, and feels way more intensely than I feel. But when I'm role-playing, I have to answer as that person. I can't say, well, Brandon wouldn't like to do this. That's not what the game's about. It's about being that person. So it's difficult sometimes kind of changing your mind in the middle of a game. And then it even becomes difficult, too, when, and I, we touched on this on the last episode, I believe, when you start to identify too closely with mm-hmm. your character in that yeah. situation. And then because, let's say, Hayden Seeker mm-hmm. has to step out against another party member because what that party member is doing goes against what Hayden believes should mm-hmm. happen. If you're not careful with that, whether how you roleplay that situation or how you identify with that situation, the player themselves can actually start to become personally offended. Uh, and that can be a dangerous little slope to navigate around when you're role-playing because if not properly handled, I would hesitate to say it would dismantle a party, but it could definitely stress party relations and friendships. Yeah, and that's a huge point, is when you're role-playing, you leave the character as themselves. There is a line you have to keep real. That sometimes people aren't going to like your character's ideas. You have to accept that. A couple episodes from now, we're going to talk about playing as a group. And we'll give, I think, a couple examples about how we've had to make sure we kept some stuff on the table and not bring it to our group as we're role-playing. And the final point about some of this difficult role-play, it's kind of a little bit more lighthearted one, is sometimes the voice is just hard to keep up. I, I, I would say that there were a lot of times that my voices would eventually devolve into just this general maybe pseudo-Eastern European Yeah, it would start accent. off as like, it would start off as some maybe Norwegian or Swedish, and then just get to some generalized accent. Yeah, it's very, especially, especially if you're a game master and you want to do accents, which I highly encourage. It's great for the game. I think it adds a lot of depth to it, but it gets really difficult if you're trying to monitor, you know, three or four different individuals who all come from different areas, so you're having to remember which voice goes to which character. And eventually, you know, it all devolves, and the players make fun of you, but you have fun. Yeah, it's fun. And we all have that kind of slapback language. One of our people, no matter what he does, his accent always ends up being Chinese. He can start Italian, and somehow it will devolve into a Chinese accent. <laughs> we were very happy that when he created his his gnome musketeer nubbins, that he was able to just keep his normal voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to help with continuity. I'm very glad you knew who I was talking about. I thought you had to say that person's name. <laughs> both recognize this person has that thing. And we love him for it. And I have problems with voices because as I'm playing a character, I'm thinking through, what would so-and-so say? And that's the thing, well, how would he say those words? It becomes difficult. And I once tried to even play a Scottish detective in a Cthulhu game. And I start off with a relatively decent Scottish accent. And then it just kind of devolve into me having a gravelly voice, basically. Because I'm just thinking through what my answers are right now more than my accent. That's another difficulty. And there's there's a handful of difficulties of answering different people, thinking counterintuitively to yourself, keeping on the table and just these voices. Those are real problems that come role-playing game. But But I would say that despite all of the hurdles you may have to jump with that, it still ends up being worth it at the end of the day. At the end of the game, provided that the game master ran a good session, it still ends up being worth it. It is absolutely worth it to take on a role and to Throw yourself in a role playing when you're doing these games, and part of it just comes from the fact that I mean, you, you get a different experience from it. Absolutely. You know, you get to experience something in a way that you normally wouldn't because you're trying to play someone who probably isn't you. You may identify in some areas, but 
you know, you're not going to be able to swing a 25-pound Earthbreaker four times within six seconds, making precise critical strikes in each one, but the character you're playing can. And you're getting to experience that through your character's eyes, whether it's euphoria or utter tragedy. It just adds a fun element. Yeah. These characters get to experience something, and you experience that through them. And you throw yourself in role-playing games. When they hurt, you hurt. When they're happy, you're happy. Beyond that, it also gives you a chance to kind of think through why you, you act a certain way. So a lot of times, our reactions to life, our opinions, are kind of default. We don't really think about why we think and act certain ways. By role-playing a character who's different than you, by role-playing someone who might be a different alignment or just a different view of life, like Sarah gets for Devin, you get a chance to kind of question, like, why do I think the way I think? Because I have to see why Sarah does it. I took, I had to think through why Sarah would answer a certain way. What is his reasoning? And of course, you think through your reasoning. And it's a great evolving point for even us as human beings to be forced to think in active ways. And it's probably why therapists do role-playing in session, I guess, but... Wait, do, why do, hold on, do therapists actually do that? Yeah, therapists actually do role-playing sessions, yeah. I had no idea. Not like, not like tabletop role-playing games, but like you and a, the husband's wife have to act like each other. Oh, okay, I see where you're going with that. No, they're not playing Dungeons and Dragons in a therapist's <laughs> office. <laughs> because I was about to go be a therapist. I think I'd be really good at that. I can see why I did that. I'm sorry to ruin your dreams. <laughs> Give you a dream, then ruin it in a second later. That's fine. We're back to square one. Another big thing of why it's absolutely worth it to throw yourself into a role is, as you said earlier, stories are about characters. They're about the protagonists. And by throwing yourself into role-playing games, you get to experience what it means to be a protagonist in a story. Why might someone want that, Devin? Everyone wants to be the main character in their lives. No one wants to be considered the non-playable character who's bartending at the inn or the person who's sweeping up at a table or even the bellhop at a hotel. No one wants to think of themselves as that. They want to be the driving force in their own life. So to sit down and pick up this role of a paladin, you are now the driving protagonist and the force of good in the world, seeking out the redemption and to uplift the lowly to high places and to smite down evil. And there's something very satisfying about that. Mm, absolutely. Because in reality, a lot of us aren't the main characters in our lives. A lot of times we are employees, we're kind of go through our daily life. Unless it's like your wedding day, you really can call yourself a protagonist of what's happening that day. You're part of a story. And so it does kind of, it does kind of help you think through and experience something great to be the protagonist. And also is the one final reason that despite how difficult they are to do, the voices are still a lot of fun to do. They're very fun. Like I said, there are some times where they get to be careful. You don't want to come across racist or stereotypical. But sometimes the settings kind of make it difficult. With places like Dragon Kingdoms, that's just fantasy land Asia. It gets hard not to use an Asian accent to be those characters. But find a way to, to delight in them, to enjoy them, and not to mock them. And it's a lot of fun. And also being like a goblin, like little creepy little thing like running around. It's a lot of fun. Or pretending to be a cocky British person, you. Yeah, that's Cockney accent. <laughs> Good job, Devin. I'm glad. I'm glad I could do it. Yeah, so at the end of the day, it is absolutely still worth it to throw yourself in role-playing games. And I'm just not just saying the game in general. To throw yourself into the role-playing element. To literally throw your body full speed onto the table and enjoy it. I mean, maybe sometimes, depending on the scenario, maybe you have to do that. There's sometimes where we have had actually some like physical moments. Remember Tarion Hill, which is a story I'll t- we'll tell later. There was a scene where I had to make the characters like go investigate something. 
So I had the entire table stand up with me and run down our long hallway in our apartment, break into our back room and see yell, just to get the experience. You remember that, that time, Devin? I don't know if I was there for that. You might have been missing that day. It was one day that we were investigating something inside of... Because I didn't show up until near the very end. Okay. It was a fantastic moment. Where like, basically, it's like, the guy's back there. We all just ran through the apartment <laughs> for no reason. Anybody came up and terrified. But it threw us into the story of, like, oh, this is what we're doing right now. We're, we're arresting this person. <laughs> yeah, it makes it very fun to find, like... Because every, everyone's game is going to be different. It's going to be their custom version of... Of even if you're using a pre-made story, right? It's going to be your own little twist yeah, that you absolutely. add to it. And so, like one thing, we want to encourage you: don't just show up to a playing game, roll dice, make actions. Don't treat it like chess with more more rules. Make it a role-playing session. Like become your character, throw yourself into them, immerse yourself into the world as much as possible. Imagine the sights, the sounds, the smells, what's going on in the story. And for heaven's sakes, put away the phone. If you keep pulling yourself out to answer texts or look up memes, you lose this aspect of the game. And you also really make other players and the Game Master start to dislike you. I mean, I've never disliked players before. At least not unless I started disliking them when they first when I first got there. I have always disliked them. Yeah, that's fair too. So once again, this is the beauty of role-playing games. It is taking on new experiences and a new and a new point of view. Any other final statements you have about role-playing Characters and all that stuff, Devin, before we move into closing thoughts. Um, again, I would just really reinforce um, when you're going to be there to play, commit to playing. Yeah. Don't allow yourself to become distracted by everything else around you. Uh, there are times where you want yeah. to catch up with your friends because you haven't seen them in a while and you want to talk and have fun. But when you actually gather around the table to play, like devote your time to that playing. If you do, every game master out there will immediately have a high opinion of you. Now, you could definitely ruin that as you play the campaign, but they'll at least respect that you are respecting their time, because it does take a lot of time to plan these things out. Yeah. And even if you're bad at role-playing, even if you have a hard time acting and being kind of a different personality, if you try to learn, it's actually not that difficult, and the GM will work with you. My characters want to tell great stories, I give them opportunity to tell great stories. Because in the day, this is what role-playing games offers that nothing else does. Other games might be able to reproduce randomized chants, they can reproduce epic fights and fancy fields and sights, but they really can't ever reproduce what a role-playing game can offer, becoming a new person and going through an experience as that other person. That's all we have to say about this topic. Next time, we're going to talk about rolling the dice, actually. Like, why does this element of the dice and chance really contribute to great stories in role-playing games? Devin, any final closing words of wisdom? I have one closing word of wisdom for the listeners out there. <clears throat> Proceed with caution when you go to drink an unlabeled potion. Thanks, Devin. That is good advice. You're welcome. We'll see you next time on The Lord Check.